Today's show is sponsored by Okta. In these challenging times, we're all looking for simplicity, something that just works. The last thing you want to do is spend time building authentication for your new curbside pickup app. Because if you're spending time building your own authentication systems, it's time spent not making your customers happy. This is where Okta makes it simple. Okta's cloud-based authentication services are easy to set up, and they already integrate with the tools and applications you use today. Okta is trusted by companies like HPE, Splunk, CarMax, GitLab, and Cengage, plus many, many more. To take the hassle out of your authentication needs, visit okta.com cloud and learn how to get started today. That's okta.com cloud. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. It is getting into the later part of January 2021, and we continue to move along through the year. A couple of interesting notes here in Cloud News of the Week, but before we get to that, I want to highlight one thing. Um, as you may have noticed, uh, Aaron and I launched a new podcast series called Cloudcast Basics. Um, hopefully you did get a chance to listen to sort of the first introductory uh, episode that we did, uh, dropped out in the feed a couple of weeks ago. But if you get a chance um, and you have some friends who are new to cloud computing, are trying to learn this, um, you know, they, they want a simplified version of it, please have them, uh, you know, go over there, subscribe to the channel. Uh, it's now on uh, pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere else. Um, but, you know, give that a listen. Uh, give your friends a, a heads up that maybe they should subscribe to that. We'd love to grow the Cloudcast community and especially bring some new people along uh, that are new to cloud computing or new to some domain of cloud computing. We will have a new series, uh, season one, started with season zero, but season one will be out, uh, should be out before the end of January. And uh, we're excited, Aaron and I are working on that right now. We're excited to get that out. So let's jump right into cloud news of the week. A couple of big uh, announcements this last week. The first was that VMware, um, uh, VMware is, is going to be looking for a new CEO as Pat Gelsinger is stepping down from the CEO position at VMware and going back to Intel. So uh, Pat Gelsinger, uh, who has legendarily you know, been at Intel for 30 plus years, was part of the x86 team and many things over there. Um, you know, I left uh, Intel after a long career, it was at EMC, and then eventually became the CEO at VMware, uh, going back to Intel uh, for a huge, huge amount of money, apparently $116 or $120 million uh, package over some number of years, three years, four-year contract initially. So a uh, huge, I guess you would call sort of free agent signing. Um, Intel obviously has uh, a big, big challenge on its hands these days, especially with uh, ARM becoming more and more dominant on the desktop with Apple becoming dominant in mobile as it's been for a long time and, you know, more and more becoming dominant as we're seeing the cloud providers, um, you know, building their own chipsets, um, you know, or building on top of ARM chipsets, uh, things like AWS Graviton and some other things. So <clears throat> Pat's going to have a, uh, a lot of work to do over at Intel to bring them back uh, to, you know, their, their once glory days. Um, obviously, he, he understands that culture really well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, looking back at his uh, his tenure at VMware, obviously uh, went through some went through some various ups and down stages. Uh, took over from Paul Moritz, 
kind of you know got them away from a lot of the non-virtualization, non-infrastructure things that Paul had tried to get VMware into. You know, Pat really tried to focus back on uh, sort of software-defined data center, uh, made the acquisition of NYSERA, so really uh, kicked off the software-defined networking space. Um, was you know a big part of what became the HCI market uh, with things like vSAN and some other platforms. And then I think he really, you know, probably maybe the biggest thing that, that I'll think about uh, from a cloud perspective was, you know, they had a fairly big failure in terms of uh, their rollout of vCloud Air, you know, trying VMware trying to initially roll out their their own cloud platform. Um, they But they eventually sort of, uh, turn the corner. Um, very difficult for a company to sort of admit mistakes, but they turn the corner. Uh, big partnership with AWS. So VMware on AWS uh, is doing, uh, by all accounts, very, very well. And uh, we continue to see VMware expand that out into into other cloud platforms as well. So, uh, you know, Pat will have a, I think, generally very positive legacy. Um, you know, they did uh, go through, uh, you know, one downtime, one difficult time when there was some uh, talk about uh, Dell doing various things with the acquisition, but uh, Pat weathered through that and uh, has has done very very well for his tenure, roughly eight to ten years, I believe. So, uh, but will be interesting to watch what Pat does over at Intel now. So, uh, the new generation of not only who will be the CEO at VMware, but uh, to see what Pat can do to turn around via uh, turn around Intel. So, we wish him best of luck. Uh, the other news was Cockroach Labs uh, scored a $160 million round of funding at a new roughly $2 billion valuation. So Cockroach Labs, um, really the one database um, that is really designed for multi-cloud and, and, uh, and hybrid cloud. So a lot of positive reviews that we hear around CockroachDB, uh, really a highly available uh, multi-cloud database. So congratulations to them on that uh, new round of funding. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. We are going to do, uh, this is the third of four uh, sort of uh, look-aheads for 2021. This one, we're going to look at what it means to be a cloud-first and really a cloud-only company with uh old-time friend of the show, Jeremy Burton. So we're really excited to get into that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by BMC. And BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? The A-game is when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com A-game. That's bmc.com slash agame. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a monitoring analytics platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. Be proactive with your monitoring strategy and catch issues before your clients are impacted. Start managing the overall health of your environment with a free Datadog trial. Go to datadog.com slash cloudcast for the free trial. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, we're going to continue on the looking ahead shows that uh, we've been doing here in January. We've been getting a lot of really good feedback from folks they like that we're, you know, we're looking at some pretty big topics some pretty big ideas that, that a lot of you, you know, are thinking about are part of your day to day here in 2021 and, and kind of how they'll evolve. So one of the things that, you know, Aaron and I have talked about quite a bit on at least the last year of shows is really, you know, we're seeing this big trend, um, you know, lots of data points at this point of, you know, companies that are really adopting 
kind of a cloud first and in some cases a cloud only model and and what that really means what's what do the changes look like in terms of you know how you interact with the market what the technologies look like um and we thought you know let's let's bring on some folks that have really kind of dealt with this and and have experience on both sides of it so great to have back a uh, friend of the show one of my former bosses Jeremy Burton CEO of Observe Jeremy welcome to the show hey great to be back on thanks uh, for the invite yeah so you and I have known each other for a long time. I uh, was was lucky enough to work for you when you were CMO at uh, at EMC and and so forth. I got to do some some very cool projects. But for folks that may not know either about you know what you've done in the past, because you've you've worked in you know running product groups, leadership groups, marketing groups, or what you're doing today at, at Observe, give us a little bit of of kind of the background and and then ultimately kind of what's taken you to these cloud only companies. Yeah. Um, well, as you can probably tell from from the accent, um, I'm I'm uh, not from the Midwest. So I originally from England. Um, I, I was a rare breed of uh, programmer in England when I left college, and you couldn't really make any money as a programmer in England. Um, and so I I ended up going into, believe it or not, technical support at Oracle and moving and ultimately moving to the U.S., um, which was a big eye opener for me. I mean, I I worked for for this guy called Mark Benioff, who who's done pretty well yeah. uh, since. Uh, I'd love to say it was all down to me, but it wasn't. Um, and uh, look, I I was in product management. I ran development teams. Um, as was popular back in the day, a lot of people came out of engineering and 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 went into marketing at Oracle, and so so I did that. And because I'd seen sort of the development and then the marketing and sales side of things, uh, for me, it was always natural to then want to go run a business. Um, so I did a bit of that at, at, at Veritas and Semantic and then more recently um, at EMC. Uh, and I, I've never fully been able to get away from marketing. I've always found myself going, myself going back to it because I, I love it so much. But I've always been on the product side of things. So I'd, I'd probably call myself more a product marketer than a someone like a field marketer or a brand marketer or something like that. And in the last few years, I feel very fortunate to have been a part of the Snowflake story. Um, I've been on the Snowflake board for the past five years. And that's what really got me thinking um, about like, man, the the thing that's important in the world is data. And just like when I was at Oracle, you know, 20 years ago, um, you know, the, the, the sort of first act of the database companies is, is, is sort of selling licenses for for existing workloads, and then it tends to be that the second act is an ecosystem of partners. Now, back in in the Oracle days, that was the SAPs and PeopleSofts and Siebel's, but I felt like you know n- now the focus is not on sort of human generated transactional data, but on machine data. Um, that that would be a big deal, and and so when Observe came along, as essentially a company that was going to analyze machine data and, and use Snowflake as the repository or the query engine for that, um, it, it just seemed like the right move. It seemed like we were going to be working on something that was going to get bigger and bigger in future. So, yeah, I almost feel like it's come a full circle. You know, Snowflake really is just a reinvention of Oracle for the cloud. And, and now, we're, you know, observe, we're building an application on top of Snowflake. Right, right. Yeah, it's and and Snowflake was was interesting. I, I first got introduced to it, um, you know, just talking to companies, you know, out at various events, and 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 they they have this sort of, you know, sort of like Apple like passion. Their their customers are just like it just works. It scales. I don't have to know anything about it. It's in the cloud. I throw as much as I can, and you, and you and you go, okay, that's that's incredibly powerful. They figured out some some amazing magic behind the scenes to make that work. 
And and I want you to kind of because uh, I'm not going to to be able to mm-hmm. tell the the observed story very well, but but when I heard that you guys basically said, hey, look, um, we were trying to solve certain problems of like data capture, data storage as part of what you do, and then you just said, you know, your engineers at some point said, we're just going to build on top of you know, sort of stand on the shoulder of those folks. It it rung out to me as this like, okay, this is this next generation of what cloud first companies are doing is they're not reinventing the wheel when they don't have to, right? Like if something already exists, they don't have to give us just a real high level. Cause we're going to dive into observe at some point later in the year, but like, what is the unique thing that, that observe is trying to bring uh, around this whole idea of, you know, monitoring uh, log metrics collection, all those types of things. Yeah, yeah, really a couple of things. I mean, so observe, you know, the market that we we aspire to, to win in is, is observability. Um, it's a new market, but, but it's also really, uh, it's a collapsing of three markets. I think log analytics, metrics, monitoring, and APM, I believe will all be supplanted by this new uh, market for observability. And, 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 the, and the reason why is uh, quite simply that the number one job in America right now is, <laughs> is, is writing software and the number two job is fixing it. And, and so you think, well, how can that be? And, and you know, applications, that they're way more complex, I think, than they ever used to be. And they're ephemeral and they change over time. And, and so it's really, really hard to figure out what happened when something goes wrong. And our sense was that all of the tools in the market to date, they, they sort of like, you know, give you a, a narrow view of the problem. It's sort of like looking at something out of one eye. And, and so if you could give people sort of full peripheral vision of the, of the problem, then maybe we could solve these problems a whole lot more quickly. And, it, and it's all a matter of data. So, you know, ingesting massive volumes of data, um, and, and providing an abstraction above that data so that users can quickly navigate it is, is really what Observe is all about. And as I said earlier, we, we, we use Snowflake as, as the database because candidly, we wanted to have all of our engineering time working on pain points for the customer, not, not going and writing a database, which uh, I think a lot of people have done in the past. Yeah, no, it's a smart, smart way of thinking about it. Uh, takes takes a lot of guts, though, to, to take that approach. Um, what I was hoping to do today uh, is I want to I want to tap a little bit into your past. I want to do a little bit of, of before and after. Um, you know, I mentioned we want to look at this sort of cloud first approach. Um, you've been on now both sides of the fence, right? You, you worked with companies who, you know, sold both hardware and software in the very traditional way of, uh, you know, big sales forces. Uh, in some cases, it actually came in a box. In other cases, you know, it came in, in hardware. You're now in this world where everything's on demand. Um, you know, give us give us the high level sort of differences from you know from an executive level of. What are the what are the important things that used to take up your time then versus take up your time now? Yeah, some some of it is definitely sort of cloud first versus on premises, and some of it is just startup versus big company. Um, um, but but th- there are some very very liberating things. Um, um, for example, having all of your engineers work on the latest release all the time. Um, that doesn't sound like a big deal but it 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 really really is you don't have like many many versions out you know with your customers you've you've got one and so everybody's sort of like present in that latest release and so you, you you've really got like one one axis of reasoning there and and you can get very very close uh, to your customers because it's it's an online service um you can see who's using the product and for how long and what they're doing like all the time um, and, and, and that can be very humbling. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, we get feedback, you know, the traditional route from some of our sales engineers, 
but we can actually go into the product and we can see what people have been doing and not doing and what they've been struggling to find or the feature that we thought was great, how they're struggling to use it. And and I think what's particularly important very early in a product lifecycle is that brutal, like honest feedback direct from the customer. You don't want anything to get in the way. Um, the, I mean, other things I, I'd say, I mean, look, the continuous integration and delivery, um, we do a planning meeting on a Monday. Um, we, we sort of, uh, assign in some cases or allocate work or have a chat around what, what folks are working on. And then Friday we do a demo meeting and we show progress in the week. And the idea that, you know, you can, you know, work on something starting Monday and then Friday, you can wrap it up in a re, in a in a release, uh, which you know maybe a week later will be uh, promoted uh, into prod. That's exciting, you know. It's um, I think engineers love building things and to to get this almost instant gratification of what you've built out in front of the customer, uh, given feedback is is very motivating. Um, and I think I think like changing priorities, get you know. Um, Certainly early stage startup, you, you often don't know really what the customer wants or the right way forward. And so you've got to be able to react. And, um, and, and you know, when the business is small and you've got full visibility into the customers and what they're doing with the product, uh, making these priority changes, um, I mean, you can, you can do it very, very quickly. So, you know, that, that, those would be the big things, I think, building the product and then like on the business model side of things, I mean, every company that I've been at prior to Observe pretty much, you're encumbered by a business model and a pricing model that was designed, you know, often years or, or in some cases decades ago. Um, so you spend your time fixing other people's problems, whereas, you know, with a new company and a new product, you can say, well, okay, how, what would make sense for the customer and how do we set up a business model and a pricing model for today versus what it would have been good, you know, 10 years ago? And and again, that's that, that's sort of very liberating, right? It, you know, you, you've you've really got an opportunity to to set the company up for success based on what the customer wants versus what the last head of sales wanted. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, so, big... yeah no, it uh, a, a lot there. I, I'm curious on the on the product side of things. You know, mm. uh, older you know, older companies, matured companies, you get into these sort of long roadmap life cycles, right? Like something could take 18 yeah. months. Um, you know, in a lot of cases you're having to say yes to all these different features from different people, but not everybody's using them all. Like, how do you guys think about even things like roadmaps, right? Like, like you said, you, you're going to get certain things from, from customers directly. You can look at certain patterns that people have, but you know, how much, how much do you find yourself going? Yep. We've got to add things versus uh, no, like we're, we're going to have to say no to certain things just because, it doesn't fit a cloud model. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the people who say like, Hey, we want you to you know, maintain this software for four years. You're like, Oh, can't, can't do that. Right. Like how much of that do you, do you see? Yeah, we, we've got to be very, very focused. And, and in fact, I, I, I think early on the secret or one of the secrets to success is probably saying no more than you're saying yes. Um, so we tried to keep roadmaps very short. Yeah. Um, we tried to have two or three big features or epics as, as, as we'd call them. Um, we try to really not let that work or the roadmap really go out more than a couple of quarters at most. Um, and, and that, that enables us to, to do a couple of things. I mean, one very clearly communicate to everybody on the team, what's important and, and have the, the sort of <laughs> small resource that we do have focused on the things that really matter the most. Right. 
Um, and it also sort of prevents the feature creep, meaning, I mean, every engineer and every product manager has got a great idea for a new thing we could add to the product, but does the customer want it? And and right now, our, our mindset is, um, uh, look, and, and, unless it, it comes from the customer, it's not going on the roadmap. I and mean, we saw we sort of knew the macro features that we were missing um, when we went into the, the, the beta phase. We knew we needed alerting, for example, and we know we knew we needed metrics. But but there's 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 all manner of other features we could have added, but we're like, no, no, we're gonna do these two, and then we're gonna get the feedback from the customers to get the scope and performance and quality right. And then let's ask our customers where we go next. So, you know, for me, roadmaps that there's very little upside to having big, long, laborious roadmaps. And I think sort of zeroing in on what your target customer is and what's important to them. I mean, it, I mean, it is a bit of a cliche listening to your customers, but I can't overstate how important it is. And I think in a smaller company or, or in a cloud first company, you, you have an opportunity to get much closer to them. Right. Well, and, and, and it's interesting. It's, um, y- you know, in kind of maybe um, mature companies, you're, you know, like, like you said, you're held by a sales model. You've got go-to-market things that, that sort of are independent of your customers. You, you guys are still very much in that stage where the problems they're trying to solve, which is like, I, you know, I want to serve my business. I want to conserve capital. I want to, like, you guys are in sort of the exact same mode. And I, I get a sense you probably can empathize with, you know, the way that you have to make trade-offs or the same way they have to make trade-offs. You don't want to build features that, you know, you don't want to maintain the, the same sort of thing. Like, I, I feel like at this stage, there's probably a certain amount of sort of simpatico that you have with uh, the types of people that are coming to you. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, we, you know, when we when we sort of chose which segment of the market we were going after first, we thought three to four thousand SaaS companies in North America was the target market, and and one of the things that makes it a little bit easier for us is is obviously a, a lot of the pain points they feel as a business are the pain points we feel, right? And so it's very easy, you know. I, I always feel like it, it, it's easier to sell something or tell a story about something if you've experienced it, you know, yourself. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, we, we find when we go to those companies, obviously the focus on the customer is important and what's your customer doing and is your customer having a bad experience and they're all of the things that, you know, we, we can help them out with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've got to be, we, I, I'm sure we can make money selling to fortune 500 companies. The problem is, is the, the roadmap would get out of control. We'd fail. You know, and so you, you've got to make those brutal decisions. Sometimes it's to say no to a feature or two. Sometimes it's just to say no to a segment of the market. And yeah. and often in the bigger companies, you, you don't get that opportunity because you, you're sort of everywhere. And so it rains requests, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, we you highlighted you've got uh, you've got some background in, in marketing at the beginning. I, I, I would argue you're probably one of the best storytellers in, in tech that I've ever worked with. Um, you know, getting your message out these days is is different, right? Like it's no longer, hey, come to my website or, you know, my sales rep comes out with a PowerPoint. Like how do you find, you know, when your message is on Hacker News and it's, you know, in GitHub and it's in all these different places, like how do you tell a story? How do you get the message out when it it's so distributed or people are coming to you before you're going out to them? Yeah, I think I think this world is changing dramatically and I'm I'm actually pretty excited about um, seeing how it shapes up because I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that um, it's going to be marketing is going to be about producing great content, like high quality. Certainly in our case, it's a technical sales, a high quality technical content and, and maybe product marketing in the traditional sense. And 
it, it pains me to say it a bit because I've, I've been in product marketing roles in the past. I think it's dying. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the reason is, is it, it, it's no longer authentic. It, it's not, the content isn't deep enough. The buyers are educated. And so I, I think our, our vision for this at Observe, what we want to do is um, we, we want to produce high quality technical content for practitioners in, in the realm of observability. Um, I, I actually think the model is that you want um, almost a newsroom style setup um, whereby you've got domain experts, both in-house and freelance, um, that can write content. And and some of it maybe will be more observe biased. We'll use observe as examples of how to solve problems. And some of it will be industry. But I, I, I firmly believe that if you can produce high quality technical content and you can use sort of digital marketing techniques to push it out to the communities where that content is consumed, then you can help educate the buyer, um, establish credibility and, and earn the right to sell. Yeah. You know, and you know, so I think that the, the world is, you know, kind of slowly but surely becoming inverted. And I think organizations have, have got to adapt. And I mean, this is one of the exciting things about being in a small company. We, 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 we uh, a month ago, we had nobody in marketing, like zero people in marketing. And so then you, you get a chance to think, well, how do we want to set this up? Do, do we want to do it the way every other company's done it? Or do we, do we just go all digital? And do we produce a, almost like a uh, like a, a newsroom or news website where we've got domain experts and we've got, we think of it content first and then content distribution second versus sales materials and PowerPoints and PDFs and, you, you know, value propositions to support the sales force. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that the former is going to be more important than the, the latter. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it, and it makes sense. It's, it's, Everything we do these days, we we consume in HD. Uh, we we binge watch it. You know, schedules don't matter. We do it whenever it's on our on our own thing. It's got to be easy to share. And yeah, if if you force uh, your 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 prospective customers to then go, oh no, you you've got to look at a PDF. You've got to sign up for something. You're going to have to look at a PowerPoint. It's like nothing of this feels natural. Like it's not the way I want to do. You yeah. know, it's like you said. It's it's that lack of inauthenticity, but it's also just. I don't. I don't want to do business with companies that do stuff like that. Right. You feel. You feel like um, you don't trust it. Right. I mean, I think it's it's so topical right now because trust on the internet is. I mean, is is man that that is hard to. How do you establish trust on online? And and I think if you want to be credible enough to sell something, you you have to establish that you're a trustworthy source for. You know, information in our case around observability, which means it can't just be we're great and everyone else sucks. It's right. it's it's it, it's got to be educational. It's going, you know, hey, what, let me tell you about the space of observability and the different approaches to it. And now let me tell you about Observe's approach. And I think if you're balanced with it, you know, as I said, you 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 then earn the right to sell. Um, but it's a, I think I think it's a fascinating challenge for the next five or ten years. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's it's. Do you know what you're talking about first, and then do you do something valuable second? And, and people don't always don't always get that order right. Um, I, I'm curious. So, you know, when when people have done traditional IT or even traditional IT orgs tended to be centralized. We've we've seen that kind of blow up uh, over the last decade, where lines of business make their own decisions. Uh, product managers are you know as technical as their old engineering teams, like. How do you find, I know you're, like you said, you're kind of targeting SaaS companies, but like, is, is your user, your buyer, your, uh, influencer, 
distributed within companies? Are they somewhat centralized in that line of business? Like, what's the mm-hmm. engagement from from more of a cloud first perspective than a traditional IT perspective? Um, yeah, we we tend to go to. <laughs> I mean, it's actually fascinating right now because you you, you sort of got the companies that are, you know, a, a sort of cloud first um, DevOps and 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 I'd say very kind of centralized doing doing DevOps properly other the way God intended it to be done. And then you've got folks who are cloud first um, that are still, you know, IT operations, engineering and and things been thrown over the wall. They've just the people in those roles have got different titles. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of everything out there, um, if I'm honest. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say more often than not, though, in the in the in the in the SaaS, SaaS companies, um, I mean, really, our buyer tends to be somewhat technical. The buyer will be like a head of DevOps or an SRE team or a sort of mid to senior level engineering manager. Um, they often won't be the person who uses the product, but often in the, in the smaller companies they will. They'll sort of manage the team and they'll be hands on. Um, and I, th- I think the big difference, w- what I see from companies I've worked in the past is um, everyone in the past would, would sort of strive to do a big deal, right? I mean, I even remember, I mean, Oracle in the late 90s and the dot-com rush, right? Everybody wanted to do a million-dollar deal or, you know, if this dot-com's going down, they're doing it holding $5 million worth of Oracle licenses. And that, that world, it's over, you know? Um, the, the model is uh, show some value, do a deal for five grand or 10 grand or 15 grand, and then um, that that initial purchase prove out, you know, the, the the value in the business that that you showed in the POC, and then um, have the customer come back and buy more. And if they like the product, they will. And if they don't, they they won't. So I, I feel like um, you know the, the 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 days where you could walk into organizations and do initial deals for hundreds of thousands of dollars, th- those days are, are, are fewer and further between. The, the nice thing is, is you don't have to go to some big central group to, to, to secure that budget. You can tap into, you know, one of the smaller teams and do, do you know, there'll be a purchase for, I don't know, thousands of dollars. And as I said, once they use the product, if they, if they like it, they'll come back for more. And, um, and again, one, one of the advantages I think of, of been in a newer company is, you know, we can set up a pricing model that makes sense to them. We, we can make it usage-based. So buy, buy, buy a little bit now. And if you like it, come back and buy some more. Yeah. And that's sort of how the customer likes it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, I'm sort of, it's sort of dawning on me now. You, you've been saying it three or four times, you know, three to 4,000 SaaS companies in North America. Uh, you know, I, I think about sort of my day-to-day work and maybe I interact with six or eight or 10 of them, right? So maybe it's a, a Google service or it's, you know, Office 365 or mm-hmm. Salesforce. You know, I think that in and of itself sort of, you know, let, lets us know that, uh, so much of what people do these days, you know, whether it was a productivity thing or, you know, just, uh, you know, your electrician who comes out to do some work, like so much of what we do is moving to the cloud, um, whether we sort of recognize it, you know, or, or not. Um, I'm going to sort of wrap up and ask you one last question. So, you know, as, as you, you know, we, we talked a little about product, we talked about marketing and go to market. What are, you know, whether it's what you saw on the snowflake board or what you've seen so far, like, what are the two or three sort of biggest learnings you found um, just about this sort of cloud first mentality, cloud first, go to market yeah. that, uh, you know, big learning so far? 
No, it's a it's it's a good one. I mean, I I think it, it first it's it, it's very liberating. Um, there's just a lot of the stack you don't need to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it almost seems ridiculous now to think about building a data center. Well. Yeah, we don't have one of those. And and by the way, the application platform, we've got that. And by the way, the database, we've got that. And and so it's like, hey, every developer that we hire can can work on the application, which which is the way you'd want it, right? Because that's really what the customer's paying for. So to me, that that's liberating. All engineers worked on the application, all on the latest release. Like awesome. Um, and if you do that, you can go fast, you know. Um, and the second thing I'd say, uh, you, you know, you, you can really get close to your customers. Um, you, we, I remember over the years always struggling, well, what is the customer thing? What's the feedback? And we do customer advisory councils, which always felt very staged and people being polite. And it was the same people who came back and then they became friends and then they didn't want to give honest feedback. And and But I think in, in this online or, or cloud-first world, I mean, you 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 see the whites of your customers' eyes every day, right? Um, and you can see if if things are going wrong. You, you, I mean, you see it. Um, well, they're, they're, so they're they're there or they're not there. <laughs> it could be like right, right, day, right. If, yeah. if yeah, if your average session time is declining and your churn's increasing, and you can see the issues that folks are having with your app, there's no running away from that. So it's it can be very exacting, but getting like being close to your customers, um, you know, that 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 to me is really one of the big ones. And 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 then I mean the flip side of that also with I mean this move to sort of agile microservices CI/CD, um, uh, there's an opportunity to be responsive, right? Um, it, it, it's scary when the avalanche of feedback comes in or what 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 you see, but the architecture and the development process it's it, it's set up for you to respond quickly. So, yeah, that, that, those are probably the the big things and all things which I maybe knew a bit about before I, you know, came to observe. But it's different knowing about it versus experiencing it. You know, um, yeah, it's, it is a very different world. Do you? Um... I'll, I'll give you one last one last question. Do you do you find so you know when when we were doing things that were storage centric? I mean, you you had to know protocols and and you know kind of you had to you had to sort of have your bona fides as a technical person. Um, do, do you find that you have to be more of a business facing person because again, you know, this stuff tends to affect people's bottom line. It affects the services they sell. Like, is it is it a different mix of sort of the business part of your brain and the technical part of your brain that you have to uh, invoke every single day? Yeah, I mean, it it, it is. It, it is. I mean, it, it's sort of probably in, in equal measure. Um, you, you know, the, the the sort of what we're building, which is fundamentally important, and and you know, the, the the product is is the most important thing. But at the same time, like the business model behind it, and how we're going to charge for it, and how we can sustain that, and then you know how how the roadmap shapes up based on the feedback. I mean, that that is all a part of making the product better. Um, and we, we, I mean, we actually use salespeople at Observe to get feedback from customers because you you get that unfettered feedback. Product managers will tend to listen with happy ears. They'll, right. you know, they they can turn a statement from the customer saying the product was terrible into well, they actually kind of like the product, but this bit was terrible. And <laughs> um, but with the sales guys, you don't get any of that uh, filter. And and I always feel like my job is uh, you're running the company is to is to try and make sure that that feedback does come unfettered and it makes its way into the roadmap and that the engineering team, they, they don't just begrudgingly put it in the roadmap. They're like, this is awesome. You know, we're finding out firsthand 
what our customers are doing. And if you can get that loop going, it's, I mean, that, that's the magic right there. Right. Right. Well, listen, Jeremy, uh, you know, as always, it's, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we appreciate the time and the insight. Um, you know, where, uh, what's the best place for folks to go if, you know, they're listening to this and they go, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for observability. We have, we have problems in this space. What's the best place to, to engage with your team? Yeah, check us out at uh, observeinc.com. Um, and we're also on Twitter these days as well, at observeinc, and probably LinkedIn as well um, under the same handle. Oh, and if you want to check out the launch, it's on YouTube. And we, we've got, we put a playlist together, our launch. Just, again, search for observeinc. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. We'll get that in the show notes. Uh, folks, you know, as always, uh, we said, you know, we wanted to kind of dig into some some broader topics. Um, you know, we, we cover observability, but, uh, you know, we wanted to kind of get the business behind this. So thankful to Jeremy for his time today uh, as an insights uh, for both Aaron and I. We appreciate everybody listening today. We thank you for telling a friend, for helping us grow the community. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 